Hi, everybody. Hey. Hey, Barbara. Welcome back to the Orderly Conversation podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about some advanced applications for the Orderly Conversation and Turpin's approach to things uh, that we've already discussed pretty thoroughly in previous episodes. So what I'd like to start off by talking about is subject matter experts, or SMEs, not in the Peter Pan sense. <laughs> the second book that you co-authored, Dale and Greg, is about coaching SMEs to be more effective in the classroom. To me, that feels like a pretty narrow niche, but you had reasons. So what led to this book? <laughs> it was quite the evolution. So as we've established already, you know, the the notion of the orderly conversation has been around for many years at this point. And as it evolved and, and our clients started to, to ask questions, you know, could you could you apply this concept to not just presentations, but also to meetings? The answer is yes. Can you apply this concept to helping trainers be more effective in the training room? Yes. And so our clients kept asking us to, to roll out these concepts, you know, in, in other ways. And several years ago, one of our most highly evolved clients said, you know, we've, we have subject matter experts who are delivering training. And the reason they're delivering training is because they are the experts. No one else understands this stuff. It's a highly technical company. The problem that they were facing though, is that the, the SMEs were not effective trainers and they, and the client had no idea how to help them be better trainers. So the client asked us, you know, can you apply this concept of the orderly conversation to these subject matter experts? So we gave it a try and we found out that we were really good at that. The the alchemy was was really, really nice. And so we got a, you know, a couple years of, of those sorts of workshops under our belt. And we started writing about our experiences. And I, I just thought, well, I'm going to try putting out a speaker proposal for the Association for Talent Development, ATD. Uh, and we'll, we'll see if they want to pick this up. Well, they did. And 400 people entered the room and they closed the doors because we were at capacity. People love the concept of helping subject matter experts be more effective in the training room. I love the idea of you guys as a fire hazard. That's, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the next year, they had a program that they called Back by Popular Demand. And so they asked me to deliver that identical session twice in larger rooms. Again, SRO, standing room only, close the doors. And I think we even came back for a third year. And then they came to us and said, this is so hot. You guys are onto something. Nobody else is talking about supporting SMEs in this way. Why don't you write an article for TD Magazine? So we did. And as luck would have it, uh, every year at the International Conference, they, they stick the most recent issue of the magazine in the conference bag. So there are 12,000 people dragging around that particular uh, issue. We were lucky enough to have not only been the people that were in that particular magazine, but we were also the cover story. And so the whole thing went, just sort of exploded in this really interesting way. And because of the amazing um, attention we got from that article, they came to us a couple months later and said, let's write a book. And we said, let's, so we did. So there's now a book, uh, let's see, it was launched two years ago now, mm -hmm. roughly two years yeah. ago, called Effective SMEs, and it's doing really well. It, it sold more copies than The Orderly Conversation, actually. One thing I'm noticing, since part of my job in these conversations is to tie things up, could you have 
been as effective at coaching and teaching SMEs and writing effective SMEs if you hadn't all along been working with people's real content? No. No, no, absolutely not. I just think it's it's an interesting part of the foundation that the orderly conversation lays and, and the approach that you all take to, that we all take to teaching it is that by working with people's real content, the two of you were prepared to take on what, because I've seen some of those presentations, is indeed highly technical right. and to some extent mind-glazingly even for people who are mm -hmm. interested in it, um, you know, the, the, the slides, the, the stuff. Yep. So that's it, just a, a really interesting connection and, and shows, I think, a, is a good illustration of how the basics of the orderly conversation can really have a lot sprout out of it. Right. And this is true of, of any type of orderly conversation, but especially true when we're working with trainers is that the, you have to first develop the content in a way that can be easily delivered and makes sense to the learners. And traditional instructional design just sort of forgets that there's an individual who has to be able to deliver this content. So that's, that's one challenge, but it gets even more challenging with SMEs because this training hat, if you will, that they all of a sudden have to put on is a secondary tertiary responsibility that they don't really have time for. So in the planning process, it has to absolutely have a, an eye on making this stuff easy to deliver. But then on the, once, once the conversation starts, the, all those materials have to be, um, serve as a safety net for the SME once they're in the conversation because it's not realistic to expect them to just, you know, look at a slide and know exactly what the instructional designer had in mind. Mm -hmm. So the, a lot more safety nets, a lot of more thought triggers have to be built in. So this, this notion of effective SMEs happens during the instructional design phase, but also during the coaching of the delivery, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So what have been some of the biggest ahas, some of the biggest epiphanies among the SMEs when you've been teaching this course? It's interesting because I think, well, let me back up just a little bit. The I love working with SMEs because the challenges that they face are really big and really interesting to me. And I think it highlights, as Greg was saying, the, the need to focus on a conversation with your learner for them when you may not have created the slide that you're using. That just adds another layer of interest and challenge that, that I like working with. And I think that the one of the biggest ahas for them, or there are few, is that their job as a, as a SME in the training room is, requires a different set of skills than their job when they're out there doing their work, being mm -hmm. the expert. And they, they need permission to feel a little bit vulnerable as they work their way through that. I think that's really an important, important part of it. The <clears throat> it's also the fact that they find, for most of the SMEs, going through a class to learn how to teach something technical and complicated is a really good exercise in just learning how to communicate something that's technical and complicated. So they always talk about, oh, this is going to help me you know, manage my people, or this is going to help me when I'm out trying to bring in a new client, because it helped, It forces you to simplify and, and make digestible information that to you is second nature that, and then when it is not for somebody else. So it's a really good set of skills to have. And on, on a more practical level, the whole idea of framing 
the conversation is important for them that it has that helps with what I was just talking about taking content and making it understandable and digestible. Can you review just a little bit what you mean by framing? The frame for well we talk about framing presentations, we talk about framing modules in a, a training session, we talk about framing a week long training session. It's about what you say at the beginning to both to bring learners, to bring people into the conversation. It focuses on context, a sense of direction. They want to know, for example, a learner wants to know what we're going to be covering for the next few hours. The benefits to the learner is included in the frame. You know, what's the takeaway? Why is this important to you on the job? All of that is, is, is an important part to communicate and also how much they need to remember from it. Because many times, if you're training at this particular client, the takeaway is the goal of a particular module might be at the end of this, you will know you will know where to go for help when you're facing this issue. And that's a pretty narrow goal, but it's also really an important one, so that they won't feel freaked out by the by the incredible amount of detail that they may be exposed to during the training. So I think it's the frame is about taking a step back, looking at the people you're talking to and taking the information you're going to be talking about and making it relevant and interesting to them. Can I jump in there with um, some other of the the ahas that that people have? So if you think about a, a technical subject matter expert who's probably highly educated, they their notion of what it means to be educated is is coming from academia. And let's just talk about traditional academia is probably lecture based. And so that's the that's the thought they have going into a training session and it's not a uh, it's an understandable thought that they have but we have to help them understand that in the business context we need to have something else it needs to be a conversation it needs to what you are saying needs to be in response to what they are feeding back at you and how much they already know because it's important for subject matter experts not to start at a baseline if the group of individuals are working with are, have more understanding than that, or maybe have a, um, the wrong understanding of a process, for example, right? So the, the subject matter expert needs to not only understand the content, but where, where are the learners right now and how can I best take them to the next level? It's really interesting. One of my favorite parts of that book is about the distinction between academic teaching and what these folks are doing in the, in the business classroom because the power is different. The responsibilities are different. A professor delivers information and then tests people on whether they understand it. And a SME in the classroom has to deliver information so that people understand it right now and can use it because, well, the, the analogy I used was everybody in a business setting is being paid to be there. And a college student is paying to be there. So it's a, it changes the power in the room because the SME serves the learner. It, that that reminds me, uh, something that you wrote in the book was that the people in the, the training room, all of them are equals with a shared purpose. And that's very different from, from the academic approach. Yeah. Another thing that it's so funny because when we're, when we're writing, we'll each be writing our own discrete pieces and then we share it with one another and then we go, oh, wow, I never actually thought of it that way. And I remember reading for the very first time, Dale, when you gave me the portion around that the business learners, everybody in the room are busy people at work. 
And when you recognize that they are busy people at work, it leads you to be efficient. It leads you to be absolutely relevant because the business is a thing paying all of us to be there. And it deserves that relevance and that on-the-job application. Two things I want to add to that. One is that the thought process, again, comparing it with academia, as we've just been doing, for what needs to get taught is quite different. It's not what there is to teach. It's what these people need to know. Mm-hmm. And that frames things very differently. It, it affects the level of detail, all that kind of thing. And the other is that the stakes are quite different. In an academic setting, if I am learning something that's very sort of hard skill and factual oriented, factually oriented, I take a test. I want to get a good grade on the test for me. And that leads you to be able to take 201. Right. Or, or whatever the numbers are. Right, right. right. Whereas in, in these business situations, at those sort of lowest end, it's it's the profitability of the company. At a more extreme end, people's lives could be hanging in the balance if it's an engineering issue or a structural issue or a medical thing, yep. um, mm-hmm. which again changes, you know, those that change in stakes is felt by everyone in the room. And I think it's interesting that a, a part of the approach is generally to acknowledge that right up front, which also then changes the dynamic. Yep. We were talking about the frame earlier in framing training modules. And when we're teaching the, the SMEs, we always talk about there are two types of benefits here. There's a benefit for the individual learner, and then there's the benefit for the, for the business, which always, I mean, that's usually consistent. You know, we need to be efficient. We need to be profitable whatever that might be, but it's always a business benefit that everybody shares. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important takeaway for a lot of the SMEs. Which leads me to that when we are in the business training context, we need to be business savvy. It's always leading to what does the business need for us? Maybe it's profitability, maybe it's safety, whatever. But we're not just sitting there singing kumbaya for the sake of singing kumbaya, right? We are there to do a job. And I think that <clears throat> that's, that isn't uh, intuitive necessarily for subject matter experts. Frankly, it's not intuitive for other trainers in, in talent development. So I think we always need to be working on being business savvy. We're singing Kumbaya for a reason, by golly. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) One final question about this, and that is, we've been talking about this book a lot and the the response that it got at conferences and that the idea got before the book existed at conferences and things. Who's the audience for this book and how does that um, expand out from the book itself? That is an interesting question because the intended reader is not the subject matter expert. We didn't want to. We didn't want to bog them down with more stuff. The intended reader is someone in talent development or learning and development who is tasked with either designing for the SMEs to deliver the content or tasked with coaching them, like in a dry run, for example. So we are speaking directly to L and D, giving them the tools and resources and job aids. The, the book is full of job aids to actually set the SMEs up for success. And it also gives them ammunition sometimes, because many times we've worked with L&D people trying to persuade business people responsible for content that the training content should not be scripted. Yeah. Because the the business thinks this is exactly what people need to understand. And L&D people are at a loss saying, well, that's, that's what they want. What am I supposed to do? 
the book talks about how that's not the best approach for the individual or for the learner, for the individual SME or for the learner. So it gives them a sort of a way to argue against that approach. The other thing too is uh, I remember early on, we had an entire chapter devoted to best practices for selecting subject matter experts. And one of the things you do when you write a book is you send it out to a group of friendlies to just to sort of do a gut check. Like, are we on target here? And across the board, everyone said, yeah, that's cute, but we have no control over who the subject matter <laughs> experts are that, that are selected. So that chapter became a job aid on how to influence the deciders on who is a subject matter expert in the training room. And that's really important. You want the right people because let's face it, L&D's brand is at stake. Because if people re routinely are being uh, having to go through training that is a waste of time or feels like a waste of time, is inefficient, over time people don't want to come to training and then now we've got a scar on the brand of L&D. So the subject matter experts play a really important role in protecting the brand. Mm -hmm. One final thought is, Dale, something you said a minute ago was the the message kind of comes down from on high that here's the script, here are the things we want them to understand. And I think that the savvy L&D professional is going to say, well, if there is a script, you're not going to get understand, you're going to get be exposed to, which right. is a whole different thing right. and a, yeah. a much less, it has much less impact. Right. And you, you're making this me unbelievably uncomfortable because what they do with the script is, is either follow it, doesn't work, or ignore it. And that doesn't work either. It's, then it's not doing its job. So you got to find a way to make it easy for them as well as the learners. And that requires that the business needs to trust L&D. And that you were talking, Greg, about how L&D needs to focus on the business. The business needs to learn a little bit about and trust the expertise of the people in L&D to know what needs to happen in a life training session. That's just... Well, one of the things we talk about a lot, especially at conferences, is when a subject matter expert is first given the PowerPoint or the facilitator guide or whatever, they look at it and they go, huh, it's a presentation. They don't understand all the thinking that goes into developing learning events. And so there's trust both ways. Mm -hmm. we, the L&D needs to trust the SME to be effective, and the SME needs to trust L&D that we do actually know, know what, what we're, we're doing, doing yeah. here. Yeah. And so part of the book's job, as I understand it, is to sort of bridge that communication gap and help the L&D professional start the conversation in a way that's going to establish that trust. Yep. Mm -hmm. okay. Well, this has been very cool. I appreciate learning more about this book that I had nothing to do with which I'm not at all heard about. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to the publisher. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> so thanks again, Dale and Greg, and Kevin, our producer, for a great conversation. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin.